This is our ultimate theme here. We're going to seek God, trust God, obey God, and praise God, but we're on trusting God. And within the realm of trusting God, we're going, how does God, how does God increase our trust? How does he increase our faith? Because he wants to, our faith to grow. Hey, guys. Uh, he wants our faith to grow and not stay stagnant. When we enter a relationship with Christ, we should be growing. Right? It's like riding a bike. You're moving forward or falling off. So we should be growing in our faith, and God's going to do that because He wants us to know Him better so we can trust Him better, and our relationship will deepen. So again, we're on trusting God. We talked about the demands He puts on us. We're on the life of Abraham. We're looking through the life of Abraham and how the Lord grew His faith, and the Lord is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's going to grow our faith. In similar ways. So he gave Abraham a demand initially. Hey, get up and leave and go. And what are we supposed to do with the demands? There's one simple answer. When he puts a demand on us, and we see him in the scriptures, right? There's all kinds of commands, demands. What's the answer? Obey. 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 Simple, right? But sometimes very difficult to do because we can't understand what he's doing. He doesn't show us the whole picture like Abraham. He just said, get up and go. All right, then we talked about the difficulties. All right, and we ended last time with the difficulties. And I'm, this is so critical to life because we all are going to be thrown into difficulties, disappointments, disasters, you name it. And how we respond is essential to our growth. So we talked last time. We saw how Abraham responded when the famine came, you know, he fled. And then, but then when Lot was in trouble, he ran. You know, we saw the results of that. We're not going to go through that. But most of the time when a problem or difficulty hits us, our instinct is to run, to flee. But we shouldn't always. I mean, there are circumstances when we should. There's, there's times when we need, most of the time we need to just stop and say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And we said there's three critical things that, we went through Matthew. Do you remember we went through the storm? Remember that last time? In the boat. They're following Jesus. And what happened? <clears throat> they didn't have any faith. Right. They didn't have any faith. So what was the result of their lack of faith? They were freaking out. <clears throat> That's right. They woke them up. <laughs> they woke them up. So they, Jesus... Just got done saying in Matthew 8, hey, it's going to cost a lot to follow me. And they followed him. They got in the boat. The storm comes up. And we see what happens. And, but we, there were three critical points from that. When you're faced with a storm, you've got to remember three critical points. Do you remember what we learned from that story? So this... You should, you should have these locked in your memory. I am brainwashing my children now. Every night before I go to bed, they go to bed. I'm telling them these things. I'm, I'm just going to say, like, you pray for his strength, not your strength. Because we always ten have a tendency to try to do things on our own strength. Right. So the, yeah. I'm sorry. One of the things I, I remember, Justin, I thought was pray for his strength. Right. Not our strength. And that's going to be the second part of the review. Excellent. I'm going to go to... See, it is coming. Thank you. Wasn't that okay. We're okay. We're all confused when you're looking for. Okay. You better just tell us. I'm just gonna tell you guys. 
Okay. He is in control. Good. Think of Matthew 8 now, right? And what does he do? He gets up and says, peace, be still. That's right. Who's in control of that storm? He brought you into the storm, and he's in control of the storm. Okay, we have to remember. So whatever you're faced with, whatever difficulty, financial, physical, relationships, there's difficulties everywhere, disappointments. And you have, may have followed Jesus. I'm all yours, Jesus, and bam, you get hit. Here's this disaster. You have a stroke, whatever it may be. Who's in control? You have to settle this issue in your heart, not just up here in the mind. You have to settle this issue. If you're going to advance through the storm and grow through the storm, you have to know that he is in control. Why is that so important? Why is it so important to know God's in control of it? We know the outcome. It gives you peace. Why does it give you peace? Knowledge is the first step of Right. And knowledge that he loves you. And he is good. And he is good. That knowledge is going to help you right, get through it. Knowing that my God, who can be nothing but love, he can never stray from love. So whatever pain has hit you, you know it comes from a sovereign God, a loving God, who is in control of it. It has to be good. There has to be some good in it. So we have to settle this issue when the storms of life hit us, that he's in the boat, he's in control. Okay? I I gave you the second one. So he just doesn't say, I'm in control of the storm. Don't worry. He's so loving and kind. He's with us. So the second thing, he's in the storm with us. He is with us. Okay? You're not alone. You're not fighting the battle alone. I think, though, that if there was faith in every one of them, they wouldn't have had the storm in the first place. <laughs> it, we don't know that. But God will throw us into positions to grow our faith. Even though they had faith, they followed him into the boat. Um, but he will grow us with the storms of life. All right? So he's with us in the storm is essential also. And the third point is... Is this just random life events? So the storm just came up. Hey, it was just a storm. I looked at the weather. A storm came up. Or is there something beyond the storm? We are going to be hit with storms. Storms are coming. There's a purpose. Right, there's a plan and a purpose. It's not a random storm that's hitting you. There's actually a purpose for God allowing this into your life. So there's a purpose. Okay, so what was the purpose one for for the disciples? It was twofold. It's always going to be that way in our life too. When they jumped into that boat, God wasn't saying, "Oh, I'm sleeping." You know, oh, a storm came up. Why are they so worried? Just believe me, it's going to be fine. Was he really worried about them getting to the other side of the Sea of Galilee? No, there's a purpose, there's a plan. What is this? It's almost always going to be twofold. Help, help build their faith in you. And trust. And show them that right. Show them who he is. Reveal himself. Right. So he reveals who you are, 
and he reveals who he is in the storm. Okay, so he's going to show us our weaknesses or things that need to be dealt with, right? The fire purifies our faith. The impurities rise to the top in these times of life so that they can be removed. <clears throat> if you go to Matthew 8, um, remember what he did. And Mark, Mark says the same thing because they're like, hey, don't you care about me? And Mark... Um, wasn't it Matthew 8? <clears throat> so he, he says, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So he reveals their heart, their lack of faith. He reveals his power, that he is in control, that he does care. All right, so when we're in the storm, he's going to reveal something about yourself, and he's going to reveal something about him, and this is how our faith grows. He removes the things he doesn't want in us, and he gives us the things that he needs in us to know about him. So this is critical. I don't want you to miss this, because storms are coming. They are coming. And they can come repeatedly. Right, I think of November 2nd. It's not a good day for our family. The last three years, my sister was diagnosed with colon cancer. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then my father stroked. And we're thinking, wow. So we were lucky to get by. I'm lucky, but we both talked on, on November 2nd or 3rd. We're like, ooh, that's good we got through that. Uh, but we know. Our family knows God's in control. Does it, does it rivet you? Does it grip you? Does it put you on edge? Absolutely. But if you can refocus, you can see what God's doing in your life. So, I'm, I'm going to... Jeez, I'm taking... Is that clock right? I don't think so. No. Uh, like, geez, I'm in a tarmore. I've been preaching all Yeah, holy cow, what happened? Um, all right, so um, remember these things, write them down, they're coming, the storms are coming, but there is a, I'm going to go a little bit into more detail, um, to, to, just to provoke you to think. Um, so when the storm comes, so what's ever happened to you in your life, if we really believe God's sovereign and in control, then if we can see the problem the pain as coming from it or allowed by God. So this is, there's, there's seven things here. I won't write them all down, but one, see the problem, the pain as coming from or allowed by God. Again, why does that take on? Why is that so significant? Sort of like he's in control. Why is it so significant? What if, if somebody just did something terrible to me or my family and I see it as coming from God? What does that do? Your response will be totally different. Right. It tests us. Right. It's a huge test on us. If I can see it as coming from God, remember, go back to who God is. God is loving. He can never be not loving. He's gracious. He can never be not gracious. And not to forget that when we're being persecuted, when we're trying to witness to others, Right. There's going to be some times where you're like, wow, I, I thought 
thought, you know, I need to be used to, to witness to them. Right. Just keep praying, and then all of a sudden, you, the light will finally come, and you're like, oh, that's what you were doing. Right. Exactly. But, but during that time, you're like, what happened? I know. During the pain, it's hard, but we've got basically what we're trying to do in this class, we are trying to think like God thinks. Mm. It's that simple. If I had to boil it down into one thing, what, what am I, my goal is to let the Holy Spirit flow through me and say, teach them, teach me the way you think. If I can know and understand the way you think, God, that's what I want. So that's what we're doing. So we must see the problems that's coming from God. He's sovereign. No matter how harsh, how difficult it is, we have to see it from coming from God. Why? Because God's loving and kind. I know there's a limit to it. He's not going to break me to where I can never get up again. He's building me. Okay? So number two, we must let the problems drive us to Jesus. Then they're good. Any kind of problem, any kind of pain, if it's forcing me. Mom, you said that yesterday morning in our Bible study. You said it's almost like we need some pain or problem to keep us next to Jesus. So then my question is, well, is the pain or problem good? Yes, if it keeps me next to Jesus, that's where I want to be, even if it's pain. All right? So must let the problems drive us to Jesus. It's so natural to run from the pain. It's so natural to start saying, well, God doesn't love me. How could he let this happen? And when you start going down that path, you're deviating from the way God thinks. You're going to be set up for disappointment, depression, anxiety, etc. So we can't not let it drive us away from Jesus. It drives us to Jesus. And then ask the question, what are you trying to teach me, Lord? What are you trying to show me? There's a purpose, right? There's a purpose to this. God, show me. You, you go humbly before God and say, what are you trying to do Fourth point is, it motivates you to examine yourself, to examine your own heart. Again, these adversities are mirrors. They're going to show you what your faith is like, what your trust is like. He's going to expose anything, and it's all in love. It's all in love. It's very gentle. He's not accusatory. He's, he's just showing you who you are like he did the disciples so that we can correct it and draw nearer to him. Um, the, number five and I think I always remember Brian saying this way back when we were in Mexico that, you know, when Jesus told Peter to get out of the boat, he got out of the boat, but he took his eyes off of Jesus onto the storm. So that's another key point. We must focus on Jesus, not the problem, not the pain. I'm so bound by the pain and the problem, it's going to enlarge. But if I can keep my focus on Jesus, who's in control and he loves me, Jesus gets bigger. And he says, I'm going to remove every mountain of opposition. Okay? So remember that. Keep your focus on Jesus, not the problem or the pain. Prayer. Michael, prayer is the next thing. Six, prayer. We have a responsibility to be in prayer. So this just doesn't happen. We have to be intentional. Be in prayer. That's where the power to overcome. That's where we reshift our thinking, is in prayer, the power to fight the battle. I love prayer because it's the time when no matter what weight of the world is on me, how many pressures, how many stresses, I feel the Holy Spirit just lifting it. And there's a freedom, there's a peace that I don't bear that burden. 
It's not removed, but I'm not bearing it. The Holy Spirit's bearing it. So I'm not crushed by it. The Holy Spirit's bearing it for me. So, key, I think the number one key, remember who's in control. The seventh thing is going to lead to what, what we what we're going to next is um, avoid the temptation to fight the battle on your own. All right, avoid the temptation to say, I'm going to just lace it up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through this. I don't know if God's going to come along with me or not, but I'm getting through it. You know, it's that mentality. You have to really avoid that. You have to wait and watch the Lord. I mean, he's going to tell us to get up and do things, and we'll know in our spirit, I'm doing this in the Lord's power and Lord's strength, not anything in me. So yes, prayer comes before that. It's in the prayer that we'll get the direction and the guidance, but oftentimes we have to wait. So this is some sayings you can think, sayings I've heard in the past or picked up. So view your obstacles as opportunities. Okay, every obstacle that's put in your path, okay, God, what are you doing? What, this is an opportunity for me to know you better, for you to purify my heart. So don't look at the obstacle as such a devastation. All right? Lord's in control of the obstacle. He'll remove it. But don't lose the blessing to grow, to know him, to become like him. Disappointments. We're all disappointed. People let us down. How could this be? My work, my job, my finances, whatever it is, my relationships. God's developing you. So disappointments are tools that God uses to develop you. So this is, again, we're rearranging our thinking. Just like we have to rearrange our thinking about submission. Submission's a wonderful thing. The world says no. But we're rearranging our thinking. Don't worry about what you're going to lose. You're only going to lose things you don't need that are barriers. What's God teaching you? What are you going to learn? You're thinking, I can't go any further, God. You are breaking me. I can't do this. No, he's breaking you for a breakthrough. I think of the short time, and we can, I don't know if I'll do it next Sunday, but Mary and Martha. Hey, Lazarus is sick. Come on, Jesus. Jesus doesn't come. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He didn't come. He let Lazarus die. He broke them down. How about that for building your faith? Lazarus come forth. A dead man comes to life. Jesus knew what he was doing. He broke down them to give them a breakthrough. So these are just some sayings you can think for rearranging our thinking to think like Jesus. All right. And this gives us hope no matter what we're faced with. So now we move on into Abraham's life. Finally, so that's the review of that. We're going to move on to Abraham's life. Turn to Genesis. And you guys remember Genesis 12, 1 through 7. Uh, 1 through 7. Does anybody want to read that? Sure. Okay, thanks, Mark. 
Now the Lord had said to Abram, Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Okay, thank you. So this was some of the homework I sent out. What was God's promise to Abraham? Great nation. Great nation. Descendants. Okay. Inter right. Interesting. There's another attached promise, right? I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. Interesting. And then um, we see Abraham fleeing from the famine, worried somebody's going to kill him. He must have... <laughs> Must have forgot that part of the promise, huh? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's promised to make them into a great nation, right? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. Okay? Mm -hmm. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So there's a promise to him, right? Descendants or a nation, and he's going to be with you. When did he tell him it would be fulfilled? So he's 75, right, Mark? You just said he's 75. Yes, when was this going to be fulfilled? He doesn't say. Isn't that the way he works with us? He gives us something, but he doesn't say, oh, it's going to be tomorrow. He gives us a promise. We're reading the scriptures. Something grabs our heart. We know it's for us. We place our faith in it, and then nothing happens. And there's this delay, and we're going to see the delay. Um, but you say, I'm standing on your word. I'm believing in your promise, Lord. But there's this delay. I need a sign. Just tell me yes or no. I just need to know. And there's this delay. Patience, my son. Patience is what the Lord is saying. Exactly. All right. Just like Gina. She wanted this birthday present. And her birthday was approaching. And all the while, I knew what I was doing knew what I was doing. She's getting anxious and frustrated. I've never wanted anything for my birthday before. I want this. And I'm just smiling on the inside, knowing I've got the plan all prepared. Um, and I delivered, right? By the new Lexus. <laughs> it's a Volvo. Um, but, uh, anyway, she was so wound up with that, and I'm, you know, embellishing the story somewhat, but it's, that's what I, I thought of. God knows exactly the perfect time. He knows what he's doing, and we're frustrated and fretting, and she's getting a little irritated and annoyed with me, <laughs> because after all, she never asked for anything. This is the one thing she's wanted, but that's what we see sort of in Abraham's life, right? Um, <laughs> 
she. I did, but it wasn't actually for me. It was for him. <laughs> just so, <laughs> just so we're clear. <laughs> hey, now it's not really for me. Our daughter just turned sixteen, so she's driving. So she was going to take my car. And I'm like, hey, you know, I can keep driving her. You can keep driving her. We don't need another car. But she's like, no, we do. And this was for. That was very close. For her not to have to drive every day to school and uh, back. So she can drive my Volvo. I'll drive the van. But anyways, yeah, it's his car. It's my wanted, car. I wanted him to get a car for my birthday. So I to Sort of complicated, but. Um, anyway, so we see there's a promise given, but he doesn't give a time. He doesn't say when it's going to be fulfilled. Okay. So, moving on to chapter 14, we read that, um, how he rescues Lot, does things the right way. Chapter 15, now this is very important. When we read chapter 15, the beginning, listen carefully now. Um, What was Abraham's focus here? So this is chapter 15 of Genesis. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. So he had just finished rescuing Lot. He did it the right way. Melchizedek comes out and says, Hey, way to go. Blessed be Abraham, God of the Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered you, your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham actually gave away a tenth. Remember when he left Egypt? He's trying to grapple for all he's got. Brings with him a maidservant from Egypt. And we know the story there. But um, anyways... This is on the heels of that, okay? So he's had a great victory. Melchizedek blesses him. Abraham's faith is strong. I'm not going to take anything from you, king of Sodom, because I don't want you to say you made me rich. So he says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. But, whenever you see but, if it's followed by anything other than God, there's probably a problem. So he says, but Abraham said, this is what Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, he's acknowledging, right? Sovereign, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me? What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one, and the one who will inherit my estate is uh, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. <clears throat> What do you think of that response? I have a hard time with that. Trust in the Lord. So what's wrong with that response? Well, he made the choice to have that child in the first place, too. And that was at God's will. So now he's complaining about this child which he chose to have being the heir. Right, so this is even, this predates that. This predates when he is he is childless with not Hagar either. That's the next chapter. So this is predating that. Janet, you have, you have your hand up. Well, he's telling God how God's going to fulfill the promise. We do that. Right. He's. We have the best idea. Right. Hey, come on. He's 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 dictating to God how he wants things done. Right. Right. Ultimatum. Ultimatum. Yeah, to God. Okay. Come on, God. Come on in. You're welcome. Welcome to the light. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, isn't that an adulterous thing? No. Interesting. No, that, that was accepted at that time. So Peggy's having trouble with it. Some people say it's okay. 
So after this, the Lord came, Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Focus. Where's the focus? On himself. Self. We're going to get in trouble in life if our focus is on me. What can you give me since I remain childless? And who will inherit my estate? So I think he's going back to the promise. Hey, you, you promised me this, but I don't have a child. What are you going to do, God? Come on. Um, okay. Uh, then he goes on to say, and this to me shows such kindness and compassion of the Lord because I have the same response that Peggy's saying. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Come on, God. Well, in his defense, he was like really old. And, you know, in human terms, we think this is impossible. Right. right. At this and he's point, getting he's older. Impossible. Right. And Not, this happens, right? When yeah, you're getting so. older and time is passing, you're saying, how is my child ever going to be saved? Right. What's going to happen? And I think it's so typical of how we, what we would say or do. Anyway, that's how I feel with myself. Like, I would be the same way. Well, God, you promised this. I mean. Right. He's delaying. This is a divine delay. And we're, this is right. This is, I love the scriptures because it's like real life. This is, they don't shadow over anything. I mean, you can have some people just preach a prosperity gospel, but this is like real life. These disappointments and these delays hit us. And our response is going to be, right, I've said this to the Lord many times. Just tell me something. I need to know what to do. I'll do whatever you tell me. And it's just silence. You're going, okay. Yes, Carl. I, this is hard for me because I'm, I love, I'm an ideas woman. I mean, that's what I love doing, and I love coming up with ways to fix things. But now, recently, and through this, I'm having trouble not fixing things or just knowing. Because what happens if something goes wrong, I think, okay, how can I fix it? Mm -hmm. And then, but I'm, you know, when we study this, it's really hard for me to know, like, God talked to Abraham. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I'm, I have trouble because I just blame myself when something goes wrong. And how can I fix it? And sure, I go to the scriptures, but I just, I'm having, it's just really hard for me to be independent. And I just want an answer. So it's mm -hmm. really hard. Right. Um, this whole ideas really hard because I don't even know am I waiting I mean you know I've been you know I waited you know I've right. waited but How should long? I come up with something and maybe God will work through it right. <laughs> you, I don't know you're I talking like Abraham he came up with something I know go sleep with the girl yeah. <laughs> yeah she did and, or Eliezer I mean that was a good solution I mean that was very creative and right. very open minded of him and, right. and that's I'm having trouble with because I'm very, I like being creative and open-minded, but I think I'm struggling with what, are the, what does God really mean in the scriptures? Am I being influenced by the, the culture? And mm -hmm. yeah, it just feels like it's a spiritual warfare. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's in a warfare with the flesh too. My own flesh. I, I want to know. Come on. Um, so you're battling your own flesh. But I love the Lord's response. The um, <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
So the Lord was gentle with him. He, said, he could have said, listen, I promised you. Come on, wake up. I've given you my promise. What does he do? He, he gently reaffirms to him again, takes him outside. I mean, you see such a fellowship here, such a relationship. And that's the way God deals with us. We may think he's harsh and he's not saying anything um, when we see things going the other way. But he's there, he's gentle, he's kind. So he's telling us that. But what I wanted you to get from here, was Abraham's focus right? This is critical to get this down. Was Abraham's focus right? Because what does God tell Abraham? Don't be afraid. Abraham's going to be afraid again. Another king's going to come up. His focus was not right because God, I mean, this is encouraging to me because God knew his thoughts. Right. He said, hey man, you're afraid. I don't care what you're talking about right. or how you're, right. what, how you appear to your, to your wife or to your kids. And then what encourages me because of what I just shared is that, that I have to believe that God will give me reassurance. And, and he does right. it through his spirit. He does it through people sometimes. God's right. people. Exactly. But God knew he was afraid. So people may think whatever okay. about us, but God right. knows what we're thinking. Right. It's a feeling. Right. So God's trying to encourage him. Don't be afraid. He knows his thoughts. Very good. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And he says, I'm your shield. I'm your protector. But what's the next part of that? What's the next part of that? I am your very great reward. What's Abraham thinking? What's Abraham's reward? It's me. It's my family. It's my descendants. It's my son. Me, me, me. I need that as my reward. And God is saying, I am your reward. I am your reward. It's really me you're after. Mm. So he's trying to tell Abraham, listen, it's me. I'm the greatest reward. I can give you a son tomorrow. And look what you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on me. So he's trying to tell Abraham, listen, it's me. I'm the greatest reward. For you, it's me. Abraham misses that. He misses that. And when the Lord isn't our greatest reward, what do we have? What's in our life? Mm -hmm. An idol. And an idol was in Abraham's life. What was the idol? Well, in their culture, there's so much emphasis right. on the firstborn, right? Exactly. Everything, all the possessions, the land, everything gets passed down to the first son. And I think right. you're right. He was focusing too much on um, I need a son. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the promise. He's not looking at the whole promise. Because right, mm-hmm. I find it interesting because um, the Lord directly told him, he's like, look, your line is not going to come from this Eliezer guy. Right. It's going to come directly from you. Right. And his and well, Sarai's alternative, you know, to right. Hagar, mm-hmm still kept it within God's promise but it wasn't the way God intended right. right so they're searching I mean it's still what God just promised right. Ishmael was from his loins his body right so it's, we, see, we see Abraham technically doing this right technically right. Sarah's my sister so Pharaoh take her right and technically 
him, you know, right. having a child with Hagar. That was what God had said. Right. There's Human reasoning, offspring. exactly. When we okay. So, <laughs> right. When for the home team, God, we got this, you and me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of God, you've got this. Right. Exactly. So, very good points. And if you, if you think of what's going on here, Absolutely. God knows his thoughts. He knows his hearts. He's trying to tell him, listen, don't be afraid. I've got you. You don't need to manipulate. You don't need to do anything. Trust me. Trust me. And in the end, it's me you want. It's me you want. So he's exposing Abraham a little bit here, gently, like he'll do to us. He'll keep reminding us, there's an idol in your life. It may be whatever, maybe something good. You know, but if it's replacing the Lord's position, the Lord will go after it. He'll go after it. And we see this in the end, right? Um, let me go. I'm, I'm running slowly out of time here. Um, do you think God really believed he was sovereign? He addressed him as sovereign, right? But, oh, sovereign Lord. You think he truly believed that? At times. Right, and that's how we are, right? I believe you're in control. I really do. And the next moment I see what's happening out there, oh my gosh, I got to do something. You know, um, the question I've asked myself is do I see God as enough? When I was reading through this, so search my heart, God. What are you enough if you take away everything? If you don't answer my prayer the way I want it answered, are you still enough? So we can look back at our life at those times when we go through this and where our faith was. Remember, I spent many disgruntled times, nights, because I wanted something from God instead of God himself. I think this is where Abraham's falling in now. God's given him a promise. It's good. I want it. I want it. But that promise has become his idol. It was, it was, I was going to say it was so much of his idol that he was willing to disobey God. Technically, maybe not. But you know, he knew they were one flesh. Right? In Genesis, you're one flesh. You and your wife. He deviated from it. Go ahead. I was going to say that, I was going to say that in my own life I make my well-being and happiness an idol. Right. You know, it's Your like comfort. you become preoccupied with it. You look at the disciples, you know, Jesus had to come and pick them in the rear end, even after he resurrected, mm -hmm. to tell them, you know, this is what you should be doing, you know, and they were resistant. Mm -hmm. And he still had to come and kick them. So you think, oh, why wouldn't they? Of course they would mm -hmm. be on fire to go, you know, right. tell other people about this Jesus, you know. But it's at the very end, you know, it took a push. Mm -hmm. It took, you know, it took him pushing them mm -hmm. to say, no, you know, your, your instinct for your own self-preservation and happiness and all that stuff mm -hmm. is good, but it's not, it's not the best. Right. I think, and it says, you know, that like, to think of, holy, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, holiness is preferable to happiness, or at least hopefully, you know what I mean? Right. Not like I'm holy, but just to say that God is holy, you know. And right, so, the pursuit I mean, of it's more important to you. That's yeah. what God thinks. Yeah. He said, I'm more concerned about your holiness because in the end, that's the great reward, not your happiness. If I want to see him. Right. If I want to see right. him, it's got to be my priority. You know? Right. So see him in this life, you know, 
and the next life too. So, and then I'll, 16, 16 says Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So that was what, 75 to 86, he got 11 years. So he waited 10 years. My gosh, give the guy a break. <laughs> Wouldn't you be saying, well, I've waited and I'm getting older and older. I can't have any children. I mean, this is only a natural, normal human response. Right? But the promise came through faith. Right? That's what was blessed, was faith. And then he goes on in 17, 7, he says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, So there's 13 years span beyond Ishmael. So there's another 13 years. Well, I'm sure Abraham's going, whatever. I'm done. You know? Uh, so we can understand where Abraham's coming from. I am, I, and he appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So he's giving him some instruction again. So he's telling him, you know, hey, Abraham, walk before me. Be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase in your number. About 16, 16, 17, 1 through 2. Um, and then he goes on to, to say what's going to happen. Um, even then, you know, he says, God also said to Abraham, this is 17, 15, um, as for Sarah, your wife, you'll no longer call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her. He goes on to say, and then Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the end of 99? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. How many times have you deviated from the will of God? You want God to bless your disobedience. And he's saying, no, it's not going to come from that. It's going to come from your, what I, my plan, my purpose. But Abraham, again, showing, did he really believe God? He laughed, you know. But God is so gentle with us when we say, oh, it's over, it's done. God, you failed me. He's gentle with us, and he's going to come through. So he comes through Genesis 21. It's actually 1 through 14. I think I put in the Facebook 1 through 7, but 1 through 14. And we've got a few more minutes here. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. God will always fulfill his promise. Always, always, always. But he's 100 now, so it's how many years have spanned? 25 years to wait for this. 25 years to wait for the promise. But the Lord was gracious to Sarah, and he had said, and um, as he has said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, because he... A year later, he came to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah rejoices. Um, I think after something like that would happen, how could you ever doubt the Lord ever again? <laughs> right, right, and that all of this was happening. To build God or to build Abraham's faith, so he could get rid of all those things that he was worried about or thinking about. God became everything to him. How do I know God became everything to Abraham? Sacrificing Isaac. Right. 
He prepared and prepared him. So this is, since he asked him to do this, right? The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. And then there's some issues. Um, let's see. So Abraham, 20, there's issues with Hagar and Ishmael, right? Um, there's always consequences to our disobedience too, unfortunately. 22, um, this is where it was 1 through 14, 22, 1 through 14. But sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What was his response? He looked and Early the next morning, he did not delay... God gave him something to do. When God gives us something to do, and we know it, we got to do it. The next morning, Abraham got up, he saddled his donkey, he took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. And, um, um, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for a place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. What does he say next? We will worship. Who will come back? And we will come back. How's that for faith? See, Abraham's changed his response, right? He's growing. And now he's saying, we're going to go up there, we're going to come back. Even though God said, sacrifice Isaac, he's saying, we are going to come back. Uh, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two went up on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, uh, said to his father Abraham, Yes, my son, Abraham replied, the, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What's his response? Chapter 8. Changed man, right? He's now saying, hey, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Think, do you think he's getting nervous? <laughs> God, you're going to provide. I know you are. I know you are. Or do you have absolute faith knowing it's done? Even if I drive my knife through this guy, he's coming back to life. Mm. Well, he did tell his you guys stay here, we will be back. Right. Exactly. We will be back. Another thing. Oh, she can go first. I talk a lot. I was just saying, the New Testament tells us his thoughts that if he indeed had killed Isaac, he knew the Gallard would rise him up. Right. He had absolute faith. Right. This man is a changed man. And what changed him? The delays. This delay, God was removing the idol of his life to where God was it. Okay, so then he says, uh, when they reached the place, God had told him about Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
So my question, my thing too that just hit me was, so he his faith had grown, but it seems that he's also passed on a lot of that faith to Isaac as well, because at this point right. Abraham is like 120 years old, <laughs> or right? Roughly, and 113 Isaac, or something, yeah. 20 plus years, as from other things that I've read. So. In order for a 120-something-year-old man to tie up or to subdue right. a 20-year-old fella, um, that's that's not going to happen. So it seems that... <laughs> not in today's world. Back in but back in those days, I mean, still, right. he was... That's right. an older old dude for a young man. Isaac must have willingly... Um, right. Laid down or not fought, tied right. up or something. I mean, right. That's true. teaching, that, that, right? That's some faith passed down, right? Mm-hmm. Right. When we're concerned about our kids' faith, or obedience, right? Mm-hmm. If we're concerned about our kids' faith and we live this way, it's being passed down. When they see the intensity, the heat, the fire, and your your faith is solid, they're growing. Their faith is growing too. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know, now I know, obviously God really knows, now you know that you fear me or fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So before you see him, God, what are you going to give me? You haven't given me anything. I don't have a son. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. I need a son. It's all about him and his focus is has become this promise, the son. Now God's asking him to give it up, and he's like, okay. Okay. And that's how God will transition us if we respond correctly. And, and you know, what I put, I said, you know, we don't really have time. We've got to wrap this up, but we can complete it next go around. But think of a time when you've had to wait on this timing. What did you do during the waiting period? What did God do? What was the end result? Was it worth the wait? Was it worth the wait? So think about it. Think about your own life. Um, I'll tell you this. If you want God's best, you're going to have to wait. I'm sorry, say that again. If you want God's best in this life, you will have to wait. We're going to want to run ahead of God, do it our way, do our thing. And we're going to miss out on his best, seeing who he is and letting him purify us. So think of a time when you've had to wait, or you may be in that waiting period now. How are you responding? It's terribly important to our spiritual growth to respond correctly because he's using these times. Um, We didn't get to search the scriptures to find out what happens when you wait on God. To see the powerful hand of God working in your life. God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Your strength will rise, or you will rise up. Um, you'll not grow weary and tired, etc., etc. So um, you can look at the scriptures to see what happens when we wait on God. And um, you guys remember what, what God said to Daniel? This is encouraging to me. Daniel 10, 12, I'll end with this. He's, do you guys remember that? Daniel so 10, he, God had heard his prayer that he was there were angels fighting. Right. He said, from the moment you set yourself to humble yourself before me, pray to me, I heard your prayer. 
We don't know the delay, but there was a delay when the angel shows up. Says, hey, I heard you from the moment you started praying. God's hearing us. Keep praying. Don't give up. Wait. So in the... Um, maybe I wanted to say it for the difficulties. For the difficulties because of all this, rejoice. And we know from the scriptures we're supposed to rejoice. This is why we can rejoice. Not in the difficulty itself, but what God's doing in us. And the delays... What shall I say? Wait. Wait. He's working. He's working. I'll close this in prayer. We've got to end here. Heavenly Father, help us to wait. Help us to wait for your hand. To move, to level the mountain of opposition. To accomplish your work and your time for your glory. Help us to know, Lord, that you are our great reward that you will satisfy every need we have. But God, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. Drive us to you. Keep us dependent on you for everything. And God, we're so excited to see how you're going to work in our lives and how you're going to reveal yourself to us in your timing. Thank you for your scriptures. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So Friday night, some more praise, some more praise. Friday night. Yes, And I want you to answer me right now. You just think about it and we can talk about it next time I see it. And that is... Uh, I can't believe I was so close. <laughs>